0: Well, take your Bibles, would you please? You know, as we uh, begin a new year and coming to the close of an old year, it's a time of uh, reevaluations, time of reassessments. It's a time of looking in the past and evaluating of our successes, our failures. But then, of course, it's a time when we begin to look forward to a new year. I uh, reminded as, as so many people do at the new year, they make New Year's resolutions. As someone said, a New Year's resolutions goes in one year and out the next, and uh, that is so true. I. Uh, was reading just the other day about Franklin Covey released the results of last year's top 10 resolutions. I want you to listen to these because possibly that they were maybe some of your resolutions. The number one resolution of last year uh, beginning in 2017 was to get out of debt and save money. Number two was to lose weight. Number three was to develop a healthy habit, to exercise, to, to eat healthy. Number four is to get, get organized. Number five is develop a new skill or a talent. Number six is to spend time more time with the family and friends. Number seven, they had marked others. (laughs) I don't know what that means. Number eight, work less, play more. Number uh, 10, change employment. So there are all kinds of resolutions that people make But I'm here to share with you today one of the greatest resolutions that you could possibly ever make is found in Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 and following. I want you to see what the Apostle Paul has to say about that. So with your Bibles open, would you stand with me as we look at what Paul speaks to us today about closing the old year, coming to a new year. Philippians, chapter 3, verse 13 and following. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal, for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, To the decree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. What a tremendous word coming from the pen of the Apostle Paul. Father, in Jesus' name, we ask you today that your Holy Spirit would just manifest himself to us in such a way that our hearts would be challenged and convicted and our hearts would be renewed. And so, Lord, we pray that you would remind us of the things that you would have to be placed in our lives in a manner according to your will. So, Lord, may the Holy Spirit of God anoint us Fill us with His Holy Spirit and use us for His glory. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to respond. In Jesus' name, Amen. What a tremendous word that the Apostle Paul shares with us today. Thinking about the past has, is is in the past. Nothing we can do about it. Nothing that we can change as far as the past. But you know, the past can be a friend. When I think about the past, there are some of you here today can think about this past year that possibly you came to know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You did. You came to know the Lord as your Savior. Others have come to know the Lord as their personal Savior. So when I think about the past, the past is like a friend. And, and I think that we need to go back in our past from time to time and to be reminiscing of how God has changed our life and blessed us and have made us a new creature for the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm reminded of what Moses said in Exodus chapter 13, verse 3. Listen to what he says. Remember this day in which you went out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage? For by strength of hand, the Lord brought you out of this place. Amen and amen. Amen to think about that the Lord has taken us out of the house of bondage into a new land, that we become new creatures in the Lord Jesus Christ. But you know what? The past can be a terrible enemy as well. If you're not careful, there's some certain things that has happened in your past of how it will haunt you and it will literally tear you down from being everything that God would have you to be. I thought it was interesting that John MacArthur, as he spoke about this passage of Scripture, there in Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 through 16, I want you to listen to this, what John MacArthur said. He says churches are full of spiritual cripples, paralyzed by the grudges, bitterness, sins, and tragedies of the past. Others try to survive in the present by reliving past successes. They must break with that past if they are to pursue their spiritual prize. God is interested in what believers do now and in in the future. No one, declared Jesus, after putting his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. That's a great statement. And I'm afraid that there are many people today that they have been strangled It is like a ball and chain that has hindered them of going forward into the future simply because of certain things that has happened to them in the past. I want to share with you three things as we look at this passage of Scripture. As I think about the past and the present and the future. First of all, as you begin looking at these passages of scriptures in verse 13, I want you to think about, put your past sins behind you. Put your past sins behind you. As I said earlier, a lot of times our past sins is like a ball and chain. It has hindered us and kept us from being everything that God would have us to be today. It has kept us from experiencing the joys of Christ and the peace of God that passes all understanding. It has haunted us to the point that it has kept us from being the person God wants us to be. Past sins do haunt us. I remember hearing about this young Christian girl and uh, she was a very dedicated young lady. And there was a, a young man that wanted to date her. He was a non-Christian. She had high morals and certainly had high standards in her life. And he was constantly asking her out to go out on a date. And she kept turning him down. Finally, he asked her to go to a rock concert. And she said, no. He said, well, I don't understand. He said, what do you do for fun? You don't drink. You don't dance. You don't go to rock concerts. What do you do for fun? I like her response. Her response was, for fun, I get up in the morning without feeling embarrassed, ashamed, and guilty and going about what I did the night before. Amen on that. My friend, I want you to understand that so many times that we place ourselves in positions that will literally handicap us for days and days and weeks and months and years to come. I'm reminded of the massacre of the Huguenots of Saint Bartholomew's Day on August the twenty fourth, fifteen seventy two, Charles the Ninth told his told his um, physician that he was haunted by seeing the massacre of Christian French Christians, and he said, "I can still see their faces." And the blood that is upon their faces. He says, I go to bed and I think about them. I get up in the morning and I think about them. He says, my whole body is consumed with that terrible, terrible event that particular day. Over time, he suffered in such a way of depression and delusion, and in such a manner that he was bedridden for the latter days of his life. There's possibly some of you here today have gone through certain things in your life that has haunted you and is honing you today. And those sins, you have seen like you cannot get rid of them but I want you to see something else. Not only your past sins haunt you, but your past sins hinders you. My friend, have you ever heard of PAS, post-abortion syndrome? Many women today are haunted by post-abortion syndrome. They have made a mistake They've allowed an abortion to take place. And it seems as if Satan literally takes them and strangles them with that terrible, terrible past. And there they begin to think that they're unworthy. The devil will whisper into their ears, You call yourself a Christian? How can you serve God how can you serve in the church and so what he does he hinders you and he haunts you because of a past sin but my friend I'm here to tell you today that God says that when he forgives sin he forgets sin he delivers us from those sins and Satan is the evil one that wants to tear you down and to pull you apart. I love what Adrian Rogers said one time. Adrian Rogers said, failures need not to be final and failures need not to be fatal. And that is so, so true. Psalms 103 verse 12 says, As far as the east is from the west, So far hath He has removed our transgressions from us. Friend, I'm here to tell you, I don't care what sin that you've ever committed, God has the power to place it under His blood, to wash it, to cleanse it, and to sling it into the deepest sea and to never bring it before you again. You say, well, this is conviction that I'm experiencing. No, my friend, if you have asked for for, for forgiveness of your sin, God has forgiven you. And it's not conviction. It is guilt that Satan has placed upon you. And what he has done, he has is dragging you back and keeping you from being the person that God wants you to be. I like what Micah said in chapter 7 verse 19 He will turn again and he will have compassion upon us He will subdue our iniquities and thy will cast all their sins into the depths of the seas Praise the Lord I like what Corey Tim Boone says that when God cast all of our sins into the depths of the sea, listen to what she says. It was in 1947 I'd come from Holland to defeated Germany with the message that God forgives. It was the truth that they needed most to hear in that bitter, bombed-out land. And I gave them my favorite mental picture. Maybe because the sea is never far from a Hollander's mind. I like to think that that's where forgiving sins are thrown. When we confess our sin, I said God cast them into the deepest ocean, gone forever. And then God places a sign out there that says no fishing allowed. Amen. I believe, I believe that is good. No fishing allowed. And that means including you, Satan, or anyone else, those sins are in the past. But oh, how easy it is to allow those sins to hinder us and to halt us and keep us from being the child of God, God wants us to be. But there's a second thing. Not only that you're to put your sins in your past, but you're to put your sorrows in your past. Put your past sorrows behind you. I've been in the ministry for 42 years. And I have seen of how people treat one another sometimes of how it can be so cruel. Some of the most vicious people I've ever met are church people sometimes. They talk, they try to tear down, and they try to destroy. And oh, if you become the victim of that that experience, my friend, of how it hurts and how it brings great, great pain and how it can hinder your spiritual growth in the Lord. It will eat you alive like cancer. Because what happens whether it happens within the church or whether it's in the home or whether it's in the family or whether it's at the workplace, you become a victim of where someone has crucified. And if you're not careful, you find yourself becoming very bitter. I mean, you know, when we come to church, it should be a joyous time. It should be a time of happiness. It be should be a time. If you're ever going to wear a smile, it should be at church. But because of the hurt that some people have experienced, it's hard to wear a smile. I've seen people that will literally walk around the building, keep from speaking to someone. How terrible it is to, for that to take place in the family of God. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15. Listen to what he says. Look carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble. By this, many become defiled. I've seen some bitter people, people that have uh, sucked on a bitter stick to a point that they couldn't smile if they had to. Did you realize that a hurt that has never been dealt with it will create a cancer of bitterness. It's almost like a honeybee. When a honeybee stings you, he has what is known as barbs in that stinger. And he leaves the stinger in your body. And as it, it is thrust into the skin, those barbs begin to hurt. And ache. And it's almost reminded me of the way the hurt and the pain that some people have experienced. Possibly today, I'm talking to somebody that they have a family member. And that family member will not speak to them or you won't speak to them. Possibly there's something that has happened I've seen it happen so many times when there's been a death in a, in a family. And they began, children began to argue over who's going to receive what from mama and daddy. And jealousy and greed begins to be developed. Until the next thing you know, the families have been broken and been destroyed. Oh, friend. I want you to understand nothing, nothing can tear you down any quicker than that kind of pain. Well, what am I supposed to do about it? You say, Pastor, first of all, I want you to cleanse your heart of your past sorrows. If there is a bit of bitterness in your heart, you need to get cleansed of it. If there is somebody that you are having problems with, you need to get it right. As you begin this new year, my friend, I want you to understand that it's not worth it. You say, well, it wouldn't matter if I went to them and made things right. They would just turn away. At least you did your part. At least you did what God would have you to do. But to hold on to a feeling of anger and bitterness and contentment, my friend, I want you to understand, it will literally rob you of the peace and the joy that God has in store for you. I read an interesting story. February the 6th, 1960. Adolf Kors the third. He was kidnapped. Of course, he was the heir of the Coors Brewery, very, very wealthy. They held him for ransom for more than six months. They finally found his body on the foothills of the Rockies. Adolf Kors the fourth, which was his son, was fifteen years old when this incident took place. They found the guy that who had kidnapped Mr. Kors the Third and not only kidnapped him but shot him. And there he was in a penitentiary in Colorado. Well Adolf Kors IV, the fourth, the fifteen year old, grew to become a man. Ended up becoming the heir of that brewery, that gigantic company. And he consumed himself with his business. But at every moment of the day, he hated this man. He had such bitterness toward this man that had kidnapped his father and that had killed his father. Well, something happened to Adolf Kors Fourth. He got saved. God came into his life in such a manner that it changed his life in an unbelievable way. And he kept thinking, I can't live right with God and have hatred in my heart like I do toward this man, Thomas Corbett, who killed my father and kidnapped him and persecuted him. He finally got down on his knees and he says, Lord, if I'm ever going to be able to forgive him, you're going to have to forgive him through me. And I'm going to ask you to help me. He said by testimony, miraculously, the bitterness began to be moved and be removed from his heart. Until the point that he went to the state penitentiary to see this Thomas Corbett who had killed his father. Thomas Corbett would not see him. So he had a Bible and he wrote in the leaflet of the Bible these words. I'm here to see you today and I'm sorry that we could not meet. As a Christian, I am summoned by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to forgive. And I do forgive you. And I ask you to forgive me for the hatred that I have held in my heart for you. You're talking about a miracle. That was a miracle. My friend, you're here today. And I'm going to tell you that you're not going to be able to cleanse your heart from past sorrows unless you allow the Lord Himself to help you to forgive. Well, my friend, as I see it, and I recognize that not only that you clear your heart of your past sorrows, I mean you cleanse your heart of your past sorrows but you clear your heart of your past sorrows <laughs> I heard about an old farmer he was watching his neighbor and there his neighbor had this mule and he was trying to maneuver this mule by the straps on the uh, that he had to the to the mule he said, uh, Jim, I don't want to uh, butt into your business, he says, but it would be a lot easier if you'd say hee-haw to that mule instead of trying to pull and to stretch that mule to get him to go in the direction you want him to go. Well, that old farmer pulled out his handkerchief and he wiped his face. He said, I reckon you're right. He said, but that mule kicked me five years ago, and I haven't spoken a word to him since. (laughs) Friend, I want you to understand that's the way a lot of people are today. You take your hurts to the Lord and leave them there. Don't let past hurts keep you in bondage. Don't let it keep you in the past. But you must move on and move to the new day. Third thing I want you to see. And that is that you put your past successes behind you. Not only your past sins, your past sorrows, but your past successes. J. Paul Getty said this, the formula for success is rise early, work late, and strike all. Well, that might be the success of the standard of the world today. But my friend, that's not necessarily success. When I think about success, I'm thinking, I'm thinking about spiritual successes. I'm thinking about what God has done in your life and what God is doing in your life. I'm sure every one of you can go back this past year and think about certain successes that you've experienced. Oh, the world wouldn't think it's so much of a success, but you know in your heart it was a success. I think about new babies being born into families. I think about young couples joining together in a holy matrimony. I think about couples who've lived for years and years together to be able to have their health and to be able to live in a manner of love and joy. Oh, I think about our church. I think about of how God has blessed and worked in the midst of people's hearts and lives. I think about my own successes. I think about the time that I had my heart surgery. And to know that God had given me a peace that passes all understanding. It was the most amazing thing that as, and some of you have had the heart surgeries and other surgeries and that fear did not come into my heart during that time. Now the first time that I was afraid, my friend, don't tell me that was just by, that was just something that happened naturally. But it was a supernatural work of God's Wonderful grace in my life. And then giving me the strength to overcome my infirmity. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Some of you have had loved ones who pass away this past year. Oh, that valley was deep and that valley was dark and that valley hurt and that valley was painful. But yet, in the midst of it all, you could say, God's grace was sufficient for the hour of need. Oh, my friend... There are successes. Jim Elliot said one time that I think that you should write down in your Bibles if you haven't already. A man is no fool to keep up what he cannot keep and to gain what he cannot lose. And that is so true. So true. So what do we do? We celebrate what has been done in our life. Celebrate. Give God Praise and glory for what God has done. We sung the song, faithfulness. God is faithful. And there's not a one of us cannot sing that song with with the assurance of reality that God has been faithful to me in every single area of my life. The faithfulness. Celebrate. That's what we can do as we come together in this time of the year. But not only celebrate, but to anticipate. If God was so great this past year, what will he be this coming year? Could it possibly be that this could be the very year that he comes again? Can you imagine? I don't know where. No better place to be than to be in the house of the Lord. No better place to be than up here at this uh, at this pulpit and to be proclaiming the precious truths of the Word of God and to hear the Lord say, Come hither, and up at a rise we go. What a day that will be. And dissipate. I'm afraid with all my heart that it's become a sad day in the lives of so many people today when they no longer hunger and thirst for the things of God, but that they have literally just become just to the point of apathy and to the point of indifference. William Carey, he says, expect great things from God, attempt great things for God. I say, amen. Celebrate what God has done. Anticipate what God is going to do. Elevate what should be done. Elevate. I like the verse that Andrew mentioned a few moments ago. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness. It should be your desire and my desire that this coming year that I'm going to walk closer to the Lord Jesus Christ than I have ever in my life. Life. It should be your desire and my desire to see more people come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior by my witness. Amen. It should be our desire, my friend, to come to a point to see revival break loose within our churches today. Elevate! What to be done? And my friend, nothing can stop us. You say, well, Satan tries to do a pretty good job at that. My friend, the Bible tells us that he cannot. He cannot hinder the gates of hell because my friend, God has given us the victory over the church. I want to ask you something. I don't want you to make a resolution. As I said, resolutions comes in one year, out the next. I want you to make a decision that this coming year, you're going to live for the Lord Jesus Christ and serve Him in a manner like you have never served Him before. And you pray that God would open up doors of opportunity that would be unbelievable for Him to use you for His glory. Would you be willing to do that? Father, thank you so much for taking our past sins our past sorrows, our past successes, and to come and to renew a new walk with You today. Lord, so many times we have allowed, we have allowed things to hinder us and to hamper us from being used for Your glory. We give it to You, dear Lord. Cleanse our life. Fill us with Your Spirit. Anoint us with Your power. In God, may there be a spirit of revival, be erupted in this place. In Jesus' name.